we uh, will dismiss our students right now, for student, those who are going to student ministry, I remembered. This is good, I've only been here six months, that's all it took me. So for those of you who have been here, you know that we are doing a series during Lent on learning from Jesus the storyteller. So we are exploring some of the parables that uh, Jesus told, and we will continue in that, uh, in that um, exploration today by looking at Matthew 25, 14 through 30. Um, it's, you know, I've said this before, um, those little headings in your Bible above things that title these stories, like those are not in the original text. And so, but this has been called the parable of the talents, um, which is unfortunate because talent for us, we think, well, um, you know, Bethany's got a great talent for playing the piano. Um, but a talent really was, uh, was, a, was a monetary uh, figure. So it was, not, um, it was not like what you were good at. So that's, that can just keep that in mind. Um, for it is as if a man going on a journey summoned his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one, he gave five talents. That's, that's a lot of money. To another, two. Still a lot. Even one talent was like more than a year's wages. To another one, a lot. To each, according to his ability. Then he went away. The one who had received the five talents went off at once and traded with them and made five more talents. In the same way, the one who had two talents made two more talents. But the one who had received the one talent went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. Then the one who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five more talents, saying, Master, you handed over to me five talents. See, I've made five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy servant. You have been trustworthy. In a few things, I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one with the two talents also came forward saying, Master, you handed over to me two talents. See, I've made two more talents. And his master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy servant. You've been trustworthy in a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Then the one who had received the one talent also came forward, saying, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, reaping where you do not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid, and I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. You knew, did you, 
that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I did not scatter, then you ought to have invested my money, and on my return I would have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one with the ten talents. For to all those who have, more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. As for this worthless servant, throw him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is the good news of the gospel. (laughs) Don't you love those gnashing of teeth passages? Let's pray. Gracious and present and loving and healing and forgiving God, give us ears to hear the good news of your gospel this day. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. It was a very, very nice spring day. If I remember correctly, it was around the beginning of June. And Jackson Road Elementary School was having their field day. And this was a big deal. I had been at Jackson Road only since April. Still haven't forgiven my parents for moving us from Davidson, North Carolina, to the suburbs of Washington, D.C. in April. But I got there, and I was in the second grade, and, and, and now it was going to be field day, and we were all signing up for our parts, and it was really important that our second grade class beat the other second grade in all of these field day events. And so it got down to the um, basketball shooting. Now, for those of you who don't know, my dad is a Hall of Fame basketball coach. And at that time, in 1969, he had just arrived at the University of Maryland with all kinds of promises. I mean, he had taken Davidson and put him in the top 10. He was going to, you know, really make Maryland the UCLA of the East and all this stuff. And, and so as soon as we got to that thing, uh, and I, I think her name was Miss Pumphrey. I can't really remember if that was third or second. Anyway, she said, who's going to do the basketball throw? And everybody goes, Pam! And I can tell you right now, I can actually kind of feel it. (laughs) The racing pulse, the pit in my stomach, I was so stinking scared. I was going to let people down. The expectations were so high. But they... I mean, literally, it was like, you know, in my mind, it was like, crucify him, crucify him. No, no, no. I was like, Pam, Pam, Pam. I was like, okay, okay, I'll do it. So I remembered um, something that, of course, this was before Title IX. Not that that maybe wouldn't have even mattered to my dad, but my dad never talked to me about basketball um, or taught me how to shoot. But I remember watching him teach my brother, and he always said, put it off the backboard. So I was like, oh my gosh, I was so scared. So I went straight up, you know, to the thing and just like kept feeding it off the backboard and it was coming through the backboard and and I won. But I never touched a basketball again competitively in my entire life. Now, the world has not suffered significantly, I don't think, because I never played competitive basketball. 
But the point is fear sometimes really paralyzes us, really keeps us from giving and sharing what we might. Uh, years ago, I heard, um, uh, uh, I was listening to a podcast or something about um, education in, a, in our culture. Sir Ken Robinson is an educational or global educational consultant, and he was making the point that most of our education systems are set up in instilling in our children the fear of making mistakes, of not getting it right. He, he opened with a story of a six year of a teacher who had he was observing a class and the. Um, said to the to the the teacher said to the students you can draw a picture of anything you want and so they started drawing the teacher went over to one little girl and she goes oh what is that and she goes it's it's a picture of God and she goes oh well no one's ever seen God she goes well they're about to <laughs> his point was she didn't know it was not right to draw a picture of God and he goes on to talk about how in our culture, just the, the, the fear of making mistakes, of not getting it exactly right, trains our children and us not to take risk. Now, I've been told that we're born with two fears. The fear of falling and the fear of loud noises. I don't know if that's scientifically accurate. And let me say, I think some of our fear is a gift. This is just parenthetically. Not all fear is, is some of it is like a, a gift. I, I, I appreciated that by the time my children were coming through elementary school, they taught them about pay attention to your uh-oh feelings. Sometimes fear is indicating that there is some danger there. But a lot of times, it's just the fear of making a mistake, the fear of failure. And we meet a character in our parable today who is afraid. Now, remember, we've talked about these parables, and, and you know, um, you might think that the point of this parable is to scare us. I want to read that ending again. As for this worthless servant... Throw him into the outer darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That sounds terrible. And remember what we've talked about. Parables uh, are not allegories. You see, if this is an allegory, then God is the person who says, that worthless servant. And I think we've read this like that. And we've developed either consciously or unconsciously this like fear of God. Now it is true the psalmist says the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. But that is an awe and a reverence. That's why it's so important to read these parables in light of the whole, just, just the whole book it's in and then the whole scripture. But let's think about just Matthew. From the first chapter to the last, there are incidences of fear not, fear not, fear not. The angel says to Joseph, fear not. 
in the last, that's the first chapter, in the, in the last chapter, Jesus says to the women who come to the tomb, do not be afraid. And there's countless, read Matthew this week. Did you think I was going to say that? So Matthew, if we read this as an allegory, and we, we think of God as this frightening, harsh master, I think we're not reading it right. Remember, we've talked about parables. Um, this, the point of parables is they take something familiar and then they kind of turn it on its head. They surprise us and challenge us. And the surprise, the real challenge in this parable is that the third servant was doing what would be expected in a time of uncertainty, playing it safe. And remember, the parables oftentimes are, are as the, in the Gospels, are answering certain questions. And Matthew, one of the questions Matthew is concerned about is how do we live as followers of Jesus, as disciples of Jesus, in uncertain times? When the world is kind of chaotic and out of order. When things are not turning out the way we expected. That's the... That's the, the reading audience of Matthew's gospel. And you know what? Kind of applies to us too, doesn't it? And the conventional wisdom of the time would be that in times of uncertainty, don't take risk. Sound familiar? That's what is upside down in this parable. That's what would surprise people. Wait, it's, things are uncertain. We should hoard and, and be careful with and not take risk. But that's precisely what the parable turns on its head. When fear is your master or your guide, you end up hiding and hoarding and you end up alienated in a place that feels dark and like there's gnashing of teeth. Because fear begets fear and that begets alienation. But when trust is your master or your guide, you are free to risk and make mistakes. The servants in the parable who are commended are not commended for gaining something by their investment. They are commended for trusting. Well done, good and trustworthy servant. You have been trustworthy in a few things. It doesn't say you, get, you, you made some more money. It says you've been trustworthy. And listen to their language. You entrusted me. Whoa, wow, that's incredible. Faith is the antidote for fear. Trusting is the antidote to fear. It's not... I love the song Bethany uh, sang for us. We all have a heart that's both fearful and free. 
To have faith does not mean you have no fear. It just means that fear will not be your master. And that the faith will, it's like an antidote, it's like a poison. Fear can be like a poison, the toxic fear. And faith is counteracts that so that it doesn't end up being your master and your guide. And I think what the parable shows us is that that kind of faith that is grounded in this awe-filled recognition of all that we have been entrusted with, all that we have and all that we offer, all that we have and all that we are has been entrusted to us. That kind of faith that's grounded in that awe, that's then expressed in a willingness to take risk, to share, to share the love and the compassion, to share the community that we have been entrusted with, to risk reaching out even though you might be rejected, to risk being with people who don't think and talk and believe just like you do, but to open yourself up to that. To risk sharing generously, freely. Have you kind of seen that through these, uh, it's kind of a theme running through our parables. The freedom, the joy of sharing. And that kind of life, Grounded in that kind of faith, expressed in risk-taking, results in entering into profound joy. Well done. Enter into the joy of your master. Faith begets joy. Fear begets alienation. And darkness and loneliness and weeping and gnashing of teeth. I wonder what fears you have learned along the way. Perhaps some of them when you were quite young, maybe some of them more recently. And let me remind you that fear wears a lot of masks. Anger is often a mask that fear wears. Anxiety, discomfort. I wonder what it might mean for faith to be an antidote to the fear that you are living with. I wonder what it might mean to become a person not who hides and hoards, but who trades and gives and shares. Look, there's good reasons to be afraid in this world. There's a lot that's out of order. I've always loved and thought of this parable this uh, song by Mary Chapin Carpenter. I'm going to read it as a poem. Bethany's going to sing it for us during communion. I've taken some liberties with it. 
In this world, there's a whole lot of trouble. In this world, there's a whole lot of pain. In this world, there's a whole lot of trouble, but a whole lot of ground to gain. Why take when you could be giving? Why watch as the world goes by? It's a hard enough life to be living. Why walk when you can fly? Why hide when you can trade? In this world, there's a whole lot of sorrow. In this world, there's a whole lot of shame. In this world, there's a whole lot of sorrow and a whole lot of ground to gain. When you spend your whole life wishing, wanting, and wondering why, it's a hard enough life to be living. Why walk when you can fly? Why hide when you can trade? In this world, there's a whole lot of cold. In this world, there's a whole lot of blame. In this world, you've a soul for a compass and a heart for a pair of wings. There's a star on the far horizon rising bright in an azure sky for the rest of the time that you're given. Why walk when you can fly? Why hide when you can trade? Why? As we come to this table, and turn the microphone on, as we come to this table of grace, so many of us have these fears. So many of us are ruled by the master of fear. And yet this table, this moment, is an opportunity for